On this week's episode of Marketing O'Clock, we talked about how Google Ads Editor finally killed off AdWords. RIPs. And we covered an amazing new feature coming to some Bing Ads accounts near you. Jess uncovered a slew of secret professions that I never knew I had. And we found out about Greg's fancy dancy pants collection. All on today's show. Marketing O'Clock is your weekly dose of digital marketing news. We record live every Friday from the Cypress North Studios located in beautiful Buffalo, New York. Join us each week for insights, updates, rants, and much more as we cover the full gamut of digital marketing for you. Hey there, I'm Greg Finn. And I'm Jess Budd. And it is officially Marketing O'Clock here on March 29th, 2019. Remember, you can catch our famous Friday news shows each and every Friday morning. And if you want to follow along with us in our show notes, just head over to marketingoclock.com for all the links from today's articles. And please subscribe so that you don't miss a single episode. And on to this week's digital marketing news. Goodbye, Google AdWords editor. Hello, Google Ads editor. Woo! The day is finally <laughs> here, Jess. Oh, thank goodness. I think this is going to gonna be what, what puts me over the edge where I finally get rid of Add words for my vernacular. Do you think so? Because sometimes it still slips out for me. Anyway, I don't. I don't think I've caught you. I'm blaming Google AdWords <laughs> editor, and for people who don't know what we're talking about, Google AdWords changed to Google Ads quite a bit of time ago. But now, up until now, they have kept the name of Google AdWords editor for their desktop solution, and as of Thursday, the twenty eighth. It is no more. There's a new version out, and it's called Google Ads Editor 1.0. <laughs> if you go download it, you can check the about and see that you have version 1.0.2, and that build is from March 22nd, so you can make sure you're on the most current version. And it's a pretty big change. It looks a lot different. Much. There's a whole new column. It's a lot brighter. <sighs> it's white, very white. It's too white. It's like looking at the sun it's compared or- to that very... <laughs> muted gray yeah. that AdWords editor had. Which I liked, by the way. I miss that already. I do miss I do miss that. But I also could see myself getting used to ads editor. I just said ads editor. That was good. I don't think I'm gonna say flawless. Say the AW word again. What what word is that? I don't know. I tried to get you. <laughs> okay, and then along with the the launch of Google Ads Editor, Matt Lawson over at Google, who's a great guy came out and said his top 10 favorite things about the new Google Ads <laughs> editor. I didn't see any negatives on there. Uh, and it's a good article. He brought up some good points about video campaigns being easier to manage, uh, some smart bidding that's enhanced on there. Um, but there were no negatives. So I came out and I have my five worst things about the new Google Ads editor. I like this. Okay. And I'm just to, to spoil... Matt's article. Matt's number one thing was it's finally Google Ads, not AdWords. That was kind of how he ended the article. So again, spoiler That's alert. That's his number one thing. Well, oh, it, it was part down. of that. Yeah, he okay. counted down. I mean, but yeah, we've been complaining about this since right. the change of the name. So that is a really positive feature. <laughs> so one of my my number one gripe with the new Google Ads editor, when you download it, you go to a thank you page that says in huge words. Google AdWords Editor. Thank you for downloading AdWords Editor. No! Yes. Also, the (laughs) file name that you have to download and click on is Google AdWords Editor Setup. Somebody Mm. forgot to change that. Uh, 
you just said the aw word i oh, think I three times see at I, least twice I'm if trying. not three times i'm trying harder than google is that is true additionally there is an immovable sidebar that's anchored on the right side I wanted to test to see what it would look like if you scooched it to the bottom. Mm-hmm. It's really nice, first off, that you get that extra information. I think I'm probably going to keep it on the right, but I wanted to put it put it below. I couldn't move that, so hopefully that might be a little more flexibility with that sidebar. So, But that uh, there's more to it now because I peeked yes. in there too, but it is some of the stuff or some of it is the stuff that used to be below, right? They have moved that Yes, and so you can't, you can't bring it down where it used to be. I want to scrooge it down. I know. I, I just wanted, I like testing things out and, and finding what makes me comfortable and I couldn't move that down. Mm. Um, and then number four is the fact that it still doesn't support pay for conversions, which is a pretty big thing. Sigh. <laughs> and then number five, there's still a massive bug in Google Ads Editor, formerly AdWords Editor, that w- doesn't copy pay for conversions over. So if you have an account that is a pay for conversions account and you clone that, it reverts to pay for clicks, which is so annoying. And you have to be so careful doing anything with it because it's so broken. And this one's broken as well. So those are my five things I hate about the new Google ads editor. Well, maybe they will fix some of those things and change the name next time we download an update. We can hope. And I would also like them to do something like they do with Gmail, how you can change the theme so it's not just white. That would be nice. That's a great idea. Customizable. Custom. I love that. Yeah. Or just a light and a dark option. I don't need like 75 rainbows. I just, I need something. It's too bright for me, especially when you're like working late at night and it's just like, wow. I, I for one would like the 75 rainbows. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like an ice cream flavor. Yeah, it does. 75 rainbows. Oh my God. Probably just way too much in there. Well, sounds delicious and good for you. Yeah, I'm sure it's healthy. (laughs) Super healthy. All right. Speaking of healthy, um, you could make, hopefully, your Bing ads campaigns a little more healthy. There's a big announcement from Bing this week. Custom audiences target customers with your own data was the name of their announcement. And the the article starts with a quote and it says, past behavior is one of the greatest, nope, excuse me, past behavior is one of the strongest predictors of future behavior. And I think unless you're a law firm commercial, this tends to be true. Past performance is not indicative of future performance. Exactly. I can't see, is that a lawyer over there? <laughs> yes. Gregory <laughs> <laughs> Finn Esquire. <laughs> Fancy lawyer for 75 rainbows flavors. P-L-L-C. Ooh, what does that stand for? I don't know. Pre-law, law competition. (laughs) (laughs) That's got to be it. We got it. Anyway, so um, yes, Bing Ads wants advertisers to take advantage of their customer data to help improve campaign performance. And this is pretty awesome. Again, you probably guessed it based on the title of their announcement, but create, you can create custom audiences from your first party customer data. So I want a dramatic pause here for the masses to cheer for this feature. Starting pause. Ending pause. That was very dramatic, and I heard a lot of cheering. (laughs) (laughs) Now is when we just go womp, womp, because the bad news is that it's not actually for everyone. And this was the point in the article where my heart just sank because I was super, super excited in the beginning. But you have to be using one of Bing's data management platform partners, or DMPs, in order for this to work. So that's Adobe Audience Manager, LiveRamp, or Oracle's BlueKai. So if you're using one of those, this applies to you. If you're not, I guess you can stop listening or listen if you want to be jealous. But in the spirit of being excited for those folks that have access, you can create these custom audiences, again, with your own first-party data. You cannot use third-party data. It has to be um, information you have collected from your customers directly. And you can create audiences that you can then apply bid adjustments to, and you can target and exclude these audiences in your campaigns, just like any other audience in Bing. So 
pretty sweet stuff, but again, it's limited to a few people. I'm putting it on my 2020 wish list that this will be something that everybody gets to use soon and we'll be able to, or actually my 2019 wish list. They shouldn't wait, but let's give them, give them some time. I want everyone just to be able to upload lists in the online interface and target their customers or not. Nice. And just so in case you didn't know, you could do this now with Google and Google Analytics. Mm -hmm. You could tie in analytics data and say, hey, if there is somebody whose transaction number is over four, like, hey, they've they've bought a few things, I can bid higher or I can use these people that we know have made multiple transactions and target only customer brand names for those people that are really good. <laughs> and it works. And you can, there's a lot of things you can do now with that integration of analytics and Google ads. But again, cool to see it's coming to Bing as well. Yes. Hopefully more on that subject soon. Fingers crossed. All right. Next up is an article from Search Engine Land, George Wynn. And he has an article called SEOs Frustrated by Google's Belated Pagination Announcement. The best part, the byline. He said, apparently, comma, People don't like being kept in the dark. <laughs> and this That's some journalism. Yeah. And this happened Thursday, right right about when we were recording last week and spilled over to this week. And and what had happened is Google, Google Webmasters on Twitter had tweeted out a tweet that read, Spring cleaning. As we evaluate our indexing signals, we decided to retire rel equals prev and rel equals next. Studies show that users love single-page content. Aim for that when possible. So that's just what everybody wanted. Unwarranted, unsolicited spring cleaning. And then Google's John Mueller hopped in and said, we noticed that we weren't using rel, next, prev, 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 I, I don't know how to pronounce things anymore. <laughs> and You're doing well. For a number of years now. So we thought we might as well remove it from the docs. And everybody's thought was, hey, why didn't you tell us that? Right? Like, great that you're doing it in the docs. How about you hop in a time machine and let us all know that you actually stopped using this? So that's what everybody was up in arms about, for good reason, too. Awesome. Um, but it did lead to a few good joke tweets, and I'm going to read two of my favorites. First one is from Kevin Indig, at Kevin underscore Indig on Twitter. And he said, if users love single-page content, why aren't Google search results on a single page? <laughs> <laughs> that <laughs> is well, that's great. snappy. Yes. That's great. Yes. And I love then it. Cyrus Shepard, formerly of Moz, had wrote, for sale, raw prev <laughs> next markup, comma, used. Mint condition, never processed by Google. <laughs> 130,000 pages, 17 hours of dev and SEO time invested. Free to a good home. That's so sad. It is sad. That's so sad and so funny. These are some witty tweets. I appreciate these. Yeah, and that's and that's that's why we're always advocating for actually looking at what may has an impact, what works for you, and what is driving results. You know, like you could take seventeen hours of time, get something implemented, and it is never used. Um, and it's just because there's a mistake somewhere along the lines, a mistake that Google has since apologized for. So. Um, again, there is no rel prev next. So if you've got that on, at some point you're going to have to maybe spend hopefully maybe four hours to remove that and make sure you didn't do anything. Um, but yeah, that's a good, good reminder that do what's right for you, not what Google says. And that brings us to this week's lightning round. All right. We are sticking with the format that we launched last week of doing paid and unpaid. <laughs> yes. which is an important distinction. And uh, we're going to start again here with paid. So 
First up this week, Google Ads Keyword Planner gets new and old features. This is an article from Search Engine Land. It breaks down all the cool new stuff that was added to Keyword Planner this week. And there's a lot of stuff in here, so check the show notes. But I really liked my favorite feature that they've added are the additional details to the average monthly searches metric. It's no longer just a number. You can now hover over it and get deeper data about trends throughout the year and a breakdown of search volume you know, by month. So I think it's pretty cool because in many industries, seasonality is super important and not all months are created equal. So I think that that's a really, really neat thing to just have right there. Yes. And my favorite part was the fact that instead of only limited to three seed keywords that would generate your listing, you can now put in up to 10 terms and then Google Google will give you a list as well. So you can put more information into the machine to hopefully get better results out. I love that. Yes, I appreciate more, especially if it saves you time. So there's lots of great stuff in there other than what we just mentioned. So head over to marketingclock.com to read the full article in the show notes if you care about the keyword planner and you should if you are running paid ads on Google. All right. Next up, this is from Bing, and this is their ad quality year in review 2018. So they stated uh, that their ads on their platform are reviewed by both AI and humans, which I thought was nice. Wow. Because <laughs> humans The are human important. touch. Yeah, the human touch. Ooh, we'll talk about that later. Uh, so they're reviewed by AI and humans to check for compliance, and apparently there's lots of people out there violating ad policies. I guess that probably shouldn't surprise anybody, but they did release some numbers from 2018. They suspended nearly 200,000 accounts from Bing Ads, accounts. That's a lot of accounts. That's a lot of accounts. And they said, I think that, that was like double what they did in 2017. So that's, that's a lot. And they also, aside from those accounts, they removed 900 million bad ads and 300,000 bad sites from their system. So they have in there a whole list of the offending industries, if you will. My favorite and the most prevalent was tech support scams. You know, you get like a warning, like, oh, your computer is locked. Call us and give us your bank account information. We'll fix it. And Bing is ripe for that with that little <laughs> search is. bar built into Microsoft you know, operating yeah. system and you type that in all of a sudden you go to a Bing search and you have no idea that you're even binging. No, you're binging and, and you might be clicking ads. Getting scammed. And getting scammed, but they're working on that. So thank you, Bing. That's very nice. Hopefully a lot less in 2019. Next up, mobile app ad fraud scheme stuffed banner ads with multiple video players. Say that 10 times quick. I'm not even going to say it once more because <laughs> that is a mouthful. But if you want to uh, read exactly how this went down, you can read the article. It dives into the full details. But the general idea here is that banner ads were being resold as video ad inventory on Android devices. So that's technically premium inventory. And according to Double Verify, this resulted in 2 million fraudulent ad calls per day. That sounds super premium. <laughs> <laughs> super premium and a super high number. That's a lot. And this is just one scheme of many, according to the article. Um, and this is from Marketing Land. In 2017 alone, mobile app ad fraud cost advertisers over $5 billion. So this is a thing and it's not going away. So just pay attention to your ad campaigns. And I mean, people wonder why advertisers are trying to block mobile ad placements. It's just fraudulent yes. everywhere. And trust no one, right? Never. Like never trust anybody. Mm -mm. Make sure you're <clears throat> tracking calls. Make sure you have everything in line because this can happen. This does happen. Yeah. People suck. People suck. People suck. <laughs> and it can happen to you. So make sure that you say, hey, yeah, I am getting two, two million phone calls. 
let's see how the sales turned out. Right. <laughs> you know? That's a lot of, fo- I hope they, well, I, I don't hope that they increase their, you know, call center volume and had some more folks because that, I wonder if they created jobs out of this fake success. No, I hope not. No, <laughs> we'll go with no. All right. The next story is from Bloomberg and the title is Amazon to launch mobile ads in a threat to Google and Facebook. So we're talking not just ads, but video ads here. And there are brief video spots that appear in response to search results on the Amazon shopping app. So this article has a lot of details in it and Amazon has not officially commented on any of it. But these details that they do have are leaking from people that are, quote, not authorized to share this information publicly, even though they've done so. (laughs) I love that. That's my favorite thing. We talked to two sources. They were not allowed to talk to us. Right. (laughs) All right. Okay. I mean, that's fine. If they want to give that that up, I appreciate the info. So I always wonder if they're trying to find the mole and like, this is a story they're trying to find the mole with. They're like, yeah, we've got a video unit coming out Mm, and we're going to a certain number $35,000 and we're going to give a certain CPV of five cents. Let's see who's the leak. And they give each person a different number. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah. Maybe they just found somebody. We wow. out and all. You're, so you're a lawyer and a detective. Yes, both. At you're pretty the same good. Time. Yeah. And by the way, for anyone that was paying attention, and I hope that's everyone, those numbers that Greg gave are accurate according to this article. That is the cost to get into this ad program. So it's pretty cheap. Does that mean I'm the mole? Oh, no. So you're, <laughs> so you're the mole and you figure that out because you're the detective and now you need to represent yourself in a lawsuit because you're well, also a lawyer. At least I saved some money. It's, it's perfect. Okay. Um, what else do we have here? Mm. Apple expands the App Store search ads to 46 more countries and this was previously only 13. So that's a really big jump. That seems like more. It's, much, it's many more. Good. Several fold. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't do the math ahead of time and I'm not going to try to do it on the fly, but it's many more. And if you're feeling limited before and curious where you can expand your app store search ads to now, uh, we have the link to the article in the show notes as well as just straight up to the list of countries that are now showing the ads. So you can go check that out if you are interested. Finally, you might remember last week we talked about zip code ad and gender targeting options going away from housing, employment, and credit ads on Facebook. And uh, too little too late, Facebook. They have been charged as of this week with housing discrimination by the U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development. Specifically, that agency claimed that there's reasonable cause to believe Facebook has served ads that violate the Fair Housing Act. So if you want all the details... Check the article in the show notes again, but Facebook's response is that they are disappointed and surprised. I'm nominating myself <laughs> to represent them. Oh, perfect. Yes. PLLC, Greg. <laughs> yeah. After I clear myself from my wrongdoing in Amazon. You've already got like a roster of cases here. It's you might have as great. many calls as those fraudulent app ads. Money's just flowing in over here. <laughs> Speaking of money flowing in, what's happening in non-paid? <laughs> well, guess what? <laughs> what? There's no money flowing because this is all non-paid organic news here. And first up, we have an article from hospitalitynet.org, which is called Google Launches Hotel Search Site. This could undermine OTAs. And for all you travel noobs, an OTA is an online travel agency. And it is a big issue for folks in the hotel space, just like it has been for flights. Google Hotels is going to offer all of the functionality and tools of its competitors so Kayak, Expedia, Booking.com, and it's going to add in all the benefits of those aggregators and mix in Google Maps um, in with the search results. But 
are they going to have commercials as amazing as some of these travel sites? Because those are some of the best commercials out there. They give Geico a run for their money. Which ones? Like, have you seen that hotels.com one? That's awful. Which one? It's a guy with a beard, like a captain hat on. Oh, Captain Obvious. Uh, maybe. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, Those are, those are okay. But like booking.com and they're like booking dot. Yeah. And the kid's just like in the fish tank. I don't really watch TV. I don't either, but I watch commercials. Oh, oh, you have a commercial channel? I have a commercial channel. (laughs) Wow. I didn't know that. (laughs) Um, that is, again, this is, this could be bad news for people that are these online travel agencies. And this is a big problem, Google coming into specific verticals and just deciding like, hey, we're going to Googleize this one. Um, and I was having coffee with somebody, uh, uh, SEO around Buffalo, and we're talking about the fact that, you know, some of these bigger companies like have a plan to say like, what if Google does Google flights for my vertical? Like smart. what? Yeah, it is smart. It's yeah. unfortunate, but like, what is the best case? What is the medium case and what's the worst case? And like the worst case is this, what we're talking about now Mm -hmm. with what we've got with the hotel space and what flights have seen. So, you know, something to be very careful of and always make sure that you are not totally reliant on one source. That is a problem. So um, something to look at. Another thing to look at is an article from Android Police where they've uncovered Google Podcasts episode searches coming to shows and being fully transcribed. And first off, I love the fact that it's a site, Android Police. I love that. (laughs) You can make any name just into something successful. And the thing that I like also is from the article, they said, with the help of a tipster, we're able to find a company that's been (laughs) logging those transcripts into a page source on the web portal or whatever. I just like it's Android Police and they've got a tipster. They've got a tipster. I feel like, again, maybe I can relate to these people as the detective I am. Yes. And well, you're a detective and a tipster. Yes. Both. All of the above. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) the transcripts from all the podcasts are being created by Google and you can find them in the source code if you do a couple workarounds and you can it's it's buried but without anybody knowing Google is on the fly transcribing every podcast that makes it a Google podcast why Uh, to help with the metadata so that hopefully they can give better results to people which is pretty cool yeah but I tried this. Do you think that they transcribe marketing clock and that there's a little robot out there transcribing my words right now? I am going to be really offended if the answer is no. The answer is yes. Yay! So <laughs> they transcribe everything. It's crazy. I had no idea that they're just doing that. Yeah. And it's how hidden is somewhere. the quality? It's very hard to read. <laughs> it's, it's, to, I, I was looking at this article on Lifehacker. We'll link to it again so you, you can see. Somebody should make a tool. I bet somebody's probably making that like right now as we speak. Probably. Just pulls it out and it's like, here's what Google thinks you're talking about. And then it's like free transcription. Um, it's okay. I mean, I was reading through through it. It's like all one line. So I just had to keep scrolling. Um, it seemed like <laughs> it was what we were talking about. So wow. okay, there's some little machine out there, you know, typing out toot right now when I say it. <laughs> so <laughs> toot. And tipster. And tipster. We should keep saying it. Yes. So let's keep writing it. Okay. Um, so next up is another article from Google, and this is from their blog called Find and Book Vacation Rentals with the help from Google. And Google is getting into further. They've done, I believe, since 2017, um, the short-term or vacation rentals space, and you're able to do that on Google now, which, or Google, not Google now, that doesn't exist anymore, but you're able to do that (laughs) on Google. So if you are looking to 
team up with a partner that Google partners with. So uh, Expedia, HomeAway, which I believe is Expedia now, Hotels.com, NetPacks, Red Awning, Rentals, United, uh, TripAdvisor, VRBO, and more. You're going to be able to do that and, again, aggregate that via Google itself. So for those short-term rentals, Google is now starting to dip their toes in even further into that market and building more tools out to support that. So I'm not saying to short Airbnb, but short Airbnb. <laughs> they're not they're, they're not publicly traded, so you can't really do that. But I was going to say, like, you're now you're a stock tipster. <laughs> stock tipster, yeah, there we go. I love that word. I'm a rainmaker. Okay. <laughs> and next up is an article from Webmasters, the Google Webmasters blog, and it's about the 2018 year in search spam report. And in 2018, Google was able to reduce the impact of user-generated spam by more than 80%. I also like the fact of how they defined user-generated spam. Whoever wrote this was a little bit feisty that day. <laughs> and they said, user-generated spam includes spammy posts on forums, as well as spammy accounts on free blogs and platforms, none of which are meant to be consumed by human beings, and all of which disrupt conversations while adding no value to users. Wow. I Take can, that. Yeah. For those of you who are listening and not watching, Greg's doing a little thing with his head, a sassy thing, but I think we could hear it in your voice. Okay, good. Yeah. Came through. It's it. Yes, I'm also a voice artist. <laughs> also, <laughs> so they talented. Said, <laughs> they said that, that we continue to protect the value of authoritative and relevant links is an important ranking signal for search. They also talked about dealing with some of that link spam. Uh, they used to do really cool infographics for this stuff. This was just like a super long post. Uh, somebody tightened the belt over there. <laughs> That's kind of a weird saying too. Tighten the belts. That come from like the Depression era, where like you're so. literally not eating. Because yeah. I was thinking about that. Like, that kind of seems sad. You're leaner, so you got to yeah. tighten your belt one notch yeah, to so avoid hunger pangs. For all you podcast listeners, we've got an apropos segment coming up on our shooting the heck mm. after the show. Can't wait. All right, and then we are heading across the pond to Europe, where Article Thirteen known as the article that's the ban on memes, has been passed. <gasps> it, it was approved. I don't know. I don't know how the laws work there. It's approved, so I believe it has a certain amount of time before it, it hits. But again, this is something where you're going to have to be able to pre, have these pre-filtering systems because you can't share copyrighted articles. And it's up to many of the networks. Facebook, Google has been very anti this article. Um, and so sharing memes could be in violation of Article 13, which I'm super sad about. Not sharing memes is a violation of the point of the Internet, which I think trumps anything that you thinks is important. Amen. <laughs> Take that to court. <laughs> All right. Next up, <laughs> Google's retiring the info command. It's that search operator info, and they're adding the information you used to be able to find into the URL inspection tool. So... This is all super technical. It used to be able to put an info as a, a, a site operator and find out what the canonical URL is. And now you can find it if you have access to Search Console. You'll be able to see what that canonical URL is. All right. And then last up in the non-paid this week, there's some pretty cool changes coming to Gmail. And Gmail is making things much more dynamic. Um, and this is from a post from Google, and they say that your emails can stay up to date as, so that you're always seeing the freshest information. 
like the latest comment threads and recommended jobs. With dynamic email, you can easily take action directly within the message itself, like RSVP to an event, fill out a questionnaire, or browse a catalog, or respond to a comment. So instead of just making email email, they're taking it to the next level. And a good example is if somebody, you can email from a comment on a Google Doc, mm -hmm. you can comment on that right within your email. It goes right to the Google Drive Doc, and you don't actually send emails. Praise the internet, guys. Praise the internet. Yeah, this is what the internet's for. Yes. And additionally, you can say, hey, I got an email from Pinterest, and I see these different pins, and I really like this fancy pants pin here, <laughs> and I'm going to put it in my fancy pants <laughs> fancy pants board. <laughs> you can do that right within <laughs> Gmail. You don't have to actually go and go off to Pinterest. Are you pinning actual pants that are fancy or is fancy pants a descriptive word for some other item you're pinning? Oh no, I have a, I have my fancy pants board and then my fancy dancy pants board. Oh. <laughs> that it's a little a little a little more loose for my my insane dance moves. Deal. I'm going to start following you on Pinterest. Is that <laughs> can I, is can I do that? Yes, you can. I just have to set up an account first. <laughs> All right. And then this is also for desktop only. So um, if you are a G Suite user, you are going to have to enable dynamic email for your organization and admin console. And that should be out over the next few days, hopefully by next week. So again, really cool stuff to me. If this was integrated with Basecamp and everything like that, and you just didn't have to keep sending emails, it would be a huge relief. So thank you, Google. We really appreciate that. And now it's time for this week's WTH. And this week's WTH is about the saddest thing you've ever heard in your life. The name of the article is called... As we laugh. <laughs> it's an uh, uncomfortable laugh, Jess. Yeah, you're right. The name of the article is Human Contact is Now a Luxury Good. Screens used to be for the elite. Now avoiding them is a status symbol. And it starts out with a man named Bill Langoy. And he's got a new best friend, a cat named Socks. She lives on a tablet, and she makes him so happy that when he talks about her arrival in his life, he begins to cry. That this, makes me begin to cry. I know. I just got <laughs> a so dumb grin on my face because I don't know what else to do. Oh. But it goes on to talk about some of the ways that screens can help people. And specifically, this Bill fella has got... A screen from, or you know, some tablet with an app powered by something called Care Coach, and there are actual humans somewhere out there that are listening to Bill and watching, and then typing the responses to this cat. It was then reads them off in a slow and robotic pace, which and, most cats do speak that way, so it's very natural. Oh, I didn't know cats speak. Yeah. Okay. Very slowly and robotic. Okay. That's, I feel like that your cats was like are basically like, a meow. Your cats wouldn't be robotic. They'd just be crazy. Well, my cats kind of sound like this. <laughs> okay. Wow. Well, hey, look, I got a new job for you. I'm going to shoot you, your resume over to Care Coach. Perfect. So this is problematic <laughs> across the board. But it yeah. gets to the interesting point, which, which is why it's on the WTH, <laughs> is there is a section in the article that said that the rich do not live like this. They've grown afraid of screens. They want their children to play with blocks. Tech-free private schools are booming. Humans are more expensive and rich people are willing and able to pay for them. I like human contact and I don't think I'm rich. Now I'm going to feel very elite yeah. because I like to talk to humans, but I love my screens too. But like, I, I don't know. Yeah. And it's polarizing. Okay. So I'll keep going here. Another portion of the article said, as more screens appear in the lives of the poor, screens are disappearing. 
from the lives of the rich. The richer you are, the more you spend to be off screen. So how is Robin Hood going to work in this day and age? Because the rich don't have screens that he could steal and give to the poor. I think you got to start stealing humans. Oh, perfect. Because humans are more expensive, <laughs> yeah. right? Actually, that's a weird sentence. Humans are more expensive. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's very strange. I don't like that. I, I don't like any of this. But <laughs> anyway, I think it's a fact that at some point, you know, people are moving away from some of this, this fake interaction. Mm -hmm. And like, again, people look at technology and like, oh, yeah, the best technology for the best people. And not everybody wants to put on, you know, goggles on their head and have my Kodak avatar talk to your Kodak avatar and do all these different <laughs> things. Um, yeah. I don't know. I mean, a wise sound engineer once told me, everything in moderation. That's a That's good hope, our sound engineer. It was our, our hope? Yes. She gives hope. me hope. She does give me hope. <laughs> Everything's going to be okay. I don't know. This is so, the physical world, as we're calling it these days, because yes. humans are more expensive. But again, I guess to, to, to take this into a marketing angle, like... You know, there are ways to cater to people that, you know, rely on screens and there are going to be more people. And it's not like screens are for the uber rich. It's also, it, it seems like according to this article, it's trending in the opposite direction of that. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. Right. So silver lining, but it's a good read. Everyone should read it. And that brings us to this week's. Cool tool. <laughs> and this week's cool tool is like a bunch of tools in one, if you will. It comes to us from Sheets for Marketers. And they have a sick article that they call 50 Plus Data Studio Templates. So I say article because they do go in and describe everything that they do. That they do but it is a tool. It offers 50 Plus <laughs> Data Studio Templates. So if you're using Data Studio, you want to check this out. And if you're not using Data Studio, this is a great, easy way to start. They've got a lot of... Templates designed for uh, helping you visualize data in Data Studio. And it's not just, you know, stuff thrown everywhere. They have it categorized based on whether you're looking at e-commerce data or SEO reporting, content analysis, things like that. So it's a pretty well organized uh, resource, if you will. And there's a lot in there. So I looked at some of these templates and they're pretty robust right out of the box. There's, it's not just like basic stuff. They're actually beautiful reports. And obviously you'll want to tweak them to meet your needs, but Talk about a time saver for anybody that's trying to start from scratch with a report in Data Studio. I mean, anyone that uses it knows it's a little bit clunky to get set up. Amazing once you have it where you want it. But starting with a template just saves you so much time. So definitely recommend checking it out. And if, again, if you're not using Data Studio, this is a great way to maybe have it be a little bit less intimidating of an experience and just get started. Yeah, it's like you start on, on second base. Yeah. Wow. You know, you know a sports analogy. Well, I know that second base comes after first base. So if you're skipping, if you're starting on second base, you're skipping first, and the kick or the the bat, the kick bat, <laughs> the kick bat. All right, and that brings us to this week's must-read marketing article of the week. An article so in depth, so detailed that we simply cannot cover it on today's show. And this week's article is from Mindy Weinstein at Search Engine Journal called 41 Places to Find Free Images Online That You Will Actually Want to Use. It is a rarity around here that we find something that is instantly bookmarkable. Mm -hmm. And this is it. It is exactly what Mindy builds it to be in the title. It is a listing of places where you can go worry-free to get your images for that blog post, your site, whatever you need them for. So it's instantly bookmarkable. 
And uh, I ran through it, and all my favorites are on there, and some that I've never heard about. So thank you, Mindy. All right, and that does it for today's show. It is officially not Marketing O'Clock. Remember, you can catch everything from the show on marketingoclock.com, so please be sure to go there and subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. And we... We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to Marketing O'Clock. If today's show was of value to you, please subscribe, leave a review, or share with a colleague. If you are looking for more information on today's topics, head over to marketingoclock.com for links to all the articles that we covered. Welcome to this week's episode of Shooting the Heck, where after our famous Friday news shows, we don't talk about marketing anymore. We just shoot the heck. And this week, we're going to talk about famous phrases, where we take a look at a phrase throughout history, and Jess tries to decipher what it actually means. Many times, we talk about hot new trends on Instagram, (laughs) but this, I'm going to the 20th century, so you should know all these. The 20th century is what, the 1900s? Yes. Okay. Just for everyone else. I knew that. (laughs) Okay, so this is right up your alley. Okay. This is where you've lived much of your life. Some of it. Yeah. Some of it. Not the last 19 years. No. no. (laughs) That, let me see. Math checks out. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a math person. Okay, so I'm going to say something and you have to guess what it is. Like what it means. What it means. Okay. Okay. Wig chop. Haircut. Yes. Haircut. That's what it means. That's easy. I started easy. Give me a brain buster. Brain buster. Okay. Or, or increasingly get more difficult, whatever your plan is. All right, here comes the next one. Fink. Fink? F-I-N-K, fink. Like think, spelled wrong. I no. think so. <laughs> <laughs> no? Oh, my gosh. Did you just say I think so? I think I did. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> that is amazing, but no, that's incorrect. You're one for, one for two. A fink is a snitch or informer or someone that can't be trusted. See, I would call that a rat or a snitch. Maybe a rat fink. Rat fink. I bet that's where it came from. I bet it did. Okay. Wow. So you're one for two. Next up, can you please tell me what word from the bird means? Because the bird is the word, right? Word from the bird. It must be like <laughs> catching the news from the wind. Like you heard tell. Word from the bird is but like word on the street. Incorrect. What? Word from the bird means that you're telling the truth. So if I said, I like that jacket, word from the bird, it means I'm telling the truth. I would think you were lying. But if I said word from the bird, you have to trust me. Why? Are birds trustworthy? I don't know these things. I'm just giving you the answer. Do you have the year in which this was used? No, I don't. This was a terrible, a terrible article I pulled this from. Well, whatever. That's well. At least now we know the origin. Okay, of that song. you're one out of three. Your goal is to beat fifty percent. You have to go flawless from here on out. I don't think I can do it. Next up. A Monet. Like a work of art. This one's actually really mean. Oh, it's mean? Yes. Well, Mon- um, <laughs> let me guess again. <laughs> a Mon- oh, someone that looks good from far away, but close up is just a bunch of spots. How on earth did you know that? Because that's what a Monet is. Okay, yeah. It's, it's someone mean. or something that seems attractive from a distance, but when you get up close for a better look, it's a hot mess. <laughs> and the example is, you actually think he's hot, you better look again. He's a total Monet. Who said that? Who? What famous person? I don't know. It's oh. <laughs> <laughs> just, just from an article. <laughs> Okay, next up. Fang Factory. Fang Factory. Yes. 
The dentist office. Yes. Oh, the yes. dentist office. Okay. All right. And then lastly, and this is not inappropriate, so we're not getting a, a naughty rating here <laughs> on your podcast player. Grindage. Grindage. That is definitely something that Paulie Shore would say. And in what circumstance would he say that? Working hard. Like, we're getting the grindage. We're working hard. This is amazing. Because <laughs> you got it wrong, but you got <laughs> but you got Polly Shore right. Oh, really? Yes. What movie? Well, here's the definition. I just have the definition. Oh. <laughs> Especially delicious food that you intended to chow down on with extreme enthusiasm. The slang was gifted to our culture by Polly Shore. So use with extreme caution. <laughs> was gifted from the to our culture. <laughs> so like, yeah. Let me mind if I look in your fridge for some awesome grindage. Oh, I, li- I could see him saying that. Do yeah. I get half a point? I still lose. I mean, I think you won because you knew grindage came from Polly Shore. Who else would say something like that? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> so I'll give you Monet a half point and Polly Shore a half point. So you made it. 50%. Yes. You barely passed. I am smarter than a 19th century fifth grader. And we will see you next week.